Welcome to ShareHouse, where you'll discover tips, trends, and takeaways from top product and e-commerce experts. We'll talk about it all, from product design to product sales, e-commerce to retail, and operations to marketing. Join your hosts, Emerson Hammer and Russell Steed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the ShareHouse podcast. Today, we've got a great episode. We're going to be chatting with Manish Chowdhury. He is the CEO and founder at Kahoot, which we're going to get into that in just a minute. But uh, really quick, Manish, will you give us like a quick intro um, on your background and your experience? Because I know there's a wealth of knowledge just ready to come out. Thank you, Russell. And thank you, Emerson, for having me. Uh, great to be here. My name is, again, Manish Chowdhury, founder and CEO of Kahoot. Uh, Kahoot is the world's first peer-to-peer -peer order fulfillment network. Uh, been working on this problem of free and fast shipping and how to maintain affordability for a very long time. Um, I, um, I also, prior to Kahoot, uh, I was involved in run, uh, building one of the first e-commerce platforms um, and then went on to build a uh, leading order management, inventory management system. So I've been dealing with brands and retailers for over two decades and know what their pain points are. And Kahoot is designed to help them get some relief on uh, order fulfillment side and meeting the new consumer expectations. Manish, you're just really tackling that e-commerce world, man. I mean, you're just diving into it, you know, head first. Um, is your background or like expertise in, it's all like a lot of software tech. Are you much of a developer yourself? Or are you more of like telling developers, hey, this is what we need, we need to build? Or what is your uh, project management kind of coming to play there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I started out uh, uh, as a coder, as a programmer um, cool. years ago. So I have the technology background. So it, also, it always helps to know the technology from inside out. Um, and having built and coded the first e-commerce platform, think Shopify, but 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, so back then, there were, there were very, very few systems out there. So we were one of the first people to enable you know, SMBs to do, do it yourself store with a point and click interface, which is what has become Shopify's of the world. So, but now of course, uh, uh, most of my time goes in still product design. I think that is very, I'm very passionate about the product. I'm very passionate about problem solving, but, uh, but also aligning business uh, with technology to ensure that uh, our customers get great value and, and with a very high emphasis on innovation, doing something unique, creating great value. You know, if we can do something amazing that can create 10x the value, and even though it might be very hard, uh, that's the kind of stuff I like to work on. So Emerson and I come from a background of, of uh, e-commerce merchants. So we've We've experienced the headaches and the pains and the sorrows and the blood, sweat and tears <laughs> that go into fulfillment specifically because, you know, I would say that's probably like the, the number one most complained about part of um, e-commerce for like brands is the most complaints come from that, that fulfillment, that that shipping experience. Um, and then, you know, everything else is like kind of ancillary to that. So with all of your experience, it kind of it sounds like most of your um, your background is kind of within that realm of fulfillment um, supply chain and kind of enabling um, e-commerce in, in a certain way. So you've seen a lot of changes over the years. What would you say are like maybe some of the biggest changes um, that have happened recently and how the, the fulfillment industry has changed uh, with all the, the supply chain craziness over the past, let's be two years have been nuts. But Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one big change that just happened in April of this year uh, and uh, we are yet to feel the impact of that, but I, I predict that that is going to be a massive change. It is a call, call, call to action for a lot of folks, which is the launch of uh, 
Amazon's Buy with Prime program, mm -hmm. if you're yeah. familiar. So essentially, Amazon over the last uh, 18, 20 years has built this massive network uh, of and created this Amazon Prime loyalty program, which is the world's most successful loyalty program and, and why that's driving tons of value for Amazon and just about everyone. And I can almost bet 20 bucks that all three of us are <laughs> Amazon Prime members, <laughs> if I'm wrong. Yeah, yep. yep. take my 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, but what's, what's happened now, and just to give you a little bit of background, Amazon spent uh, 35 billion, something close to that, basically in 2020 and 2021, right after the pandemic. I mean, they, they essentially went on overdrive and they spent more in those two years than they had spent in the previous 18 years on logistics and infrastructure. And they mm -hmm. went and built 517 new facilities in those two years. Some, I think, 176 million square feet they added, you know, and this was part of a larger program uh, plan. But I think, Russell, looks like you have a question or something. No, no, I just, that's crazy. I didn't, I haven't <laughs> heard all those in the millions of square feet. That's not disgusting. Yeah. So, so massively increased their footprint. And of course, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, the pandemic e-commerce growth stopped um, or rather it slowed down dramatically. And they announced this, uh, that they were leasing out some space. Um, and uh, so people thought that uh, and they'd overbuilt. Their profitability for Q2 went down. Uh, but, you know, Amazon does not think short term. You know, they think many years out. And essentially, you know, this was all part of Amazon converting their fulfillment to fulfillment as a service for any brand, any retailer on any channel, just like what they did with AWS, the technology arm. And... Buy with Prime, for those of uh, the folks in the audience who may not be familiar, it is a program that allows merchants to install the familiar Prime button on their website, whether it's, you know, if you have a Magento site, if you have a WordPress site or WooCommerce or, or even Shopify, uh, you can now uh, have your consumers, have your customers check out um, using the Amazon Prime account. And... Merchants will place their inventory in FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon, warehouses, and they will be able to avail of all the Prime benefits on any website that supports Buy with Prime, not only on Amazon.com. And why this is a major event, in my opinion, is because essentially Amazon taught us all to expect two-day delivery. Two, three years mm -hmm. ago, they taught us to expect one-day delivery. And now they're teaching and training the audience to expect that everywhere not just on Amazon. And so I believe that this is a call to action for every brand, every retailer, that if you're not offering one day, two day delivery, uh, you are behind the eight ball. And I think you need to catch up quickly because there's a concept that, uh, uh, you know, that I've learned, uh, it's called gradually and then suddenly, you know, this is, <laughs> Amazon has been building this up for the last 20 years, 18, 20 years. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get the tipping point and we be, I believe that this is one of those tipping points that any brand, any retailer that does not believe in free and fast shipping or delivery for their customer is probably ignoring the reality that's staring at them. So that's one of the big. No, that's a that's a great point. I can't I, I don't know the amount of times that we received received emails from customers like, well, Amazon does it. And we're like, OK, well, we're <laughs> Amazon. But now Amazon's making it so that we, we kind of can be. In, in, in certain ways. And th there's definitely, I've seen that expectation from consumers. What's really interesting about it. So I'm just 
you are focused in the 3PL industry. How does this affect other 3PLs that are in the space and seeing hey, if Amazon is now giving people this opportunity to, you could, you call like fashion free delivery. Um, how does that affect other 3PLs in that industry in general of people that already have their own warehouse and, or are doing self-fulfillment or using other 3PLs? How does that, how do you think that affects that industry? E-commerce and uh, COVID-19 has led to enormous boom and um, industrial real estate space vacancy is an all-time low. In simple words, you cannot find warehouses. Um, rent is an all-time high. So 3PLs who have their leases coming up for renewal because there's just not, not enough capacity out there, which means prices are going up, the cost is going up. And in the US, uh, 3PL industry is comprised of about 21,000 3PL, it's a data from a trusted source, 21,000 3PL companies, maybe there may be a little bit more number of facilities. Two thirds of the 3PLs are uh, what we call mom and pop operators. These are folks that have either one, two or three facilities. Majority of them have one facility. The remaining one-third are the large enterprise, like the prologists of the world, that are the landlords that supply and service folks like Amazon, Macy's, and the largest companies. So for the vast majority of online retailers or brands and retailers and uh, the, the, second, the two-thirds, the, uh, the mom-and-pop operators, are the solution, but they're, of course, having to pass on all those costs and we know what's happening with labor. The, the single biggest expense in a 3PL is labor followed by rent. And both of them are seeing double digit increases. And all of that is being passed on to the brand, to the retailer. And the dichotomy is on the second side, the consumer is, is expecting faster and free shipping. You know, nobody wants to pay for shipping. Prime, Amazon Prime used to be a two day shipping program. Amazon is gradually pushing that to one day delivery. And now the brand is caught in the middle, the retailer is caught in the middle. How do you service that? You can't quite pass on all the costs. So 3PL industry is in a state of flux and Kahoot is a platform that we built that how can we stitch this together? How can we help these independent 3PLs to join part of a larger network because the world is moving from single node fulfillment or two-node fulfillment to highly distributed fulfillment. And Kahoot wants to be the fabric to help, you know, these 3PLs come together so brands can, uh, can take advantage of them in addition to 3PLs helping themselves and carving out a future that's brighter for themselves. Nish, are you an encyclopedia man? You have this stats <laughs> like that, just like ripping oh. them out. I'm like, hey, write it down, write it down. Like, you're killing it. I'm not sure if you're a, a fulfillment or you're like a real estate guru too, or like you just have these these data points. I love <laughs> it. That's awesome. You definitely know what you're talking about. Uh, so thanks for, for sharing those statistics. It's definitely insane to see how big the industry is in supply chain, which definitely like I always talk about it's a non-sexy part of business. Most people don't want to talk about it, don't know how to talk about it, and don't know the intricacies of everything going on. You just see it from a merchant or from a customer standpoint, you just hit the buy button and then it's supposed to be at your house. You don't see all the, the back end uh, side of things. So it's really, really interesting. It's always good to see how big and massive uh, of an industry we're, we're dealing with here with, with supply chain and fulfillment. Uh, so kind of tell us a little bit, who, what you're kind of talking about, it's, it's really an interesting model 
which I think our listeners, some of them could take, uh, take some notes on is you talk about being like peer to peer fulfillment a little bit. Can you kind of explain what that is, what that entails, who that benefits, uh, and how that benefits different merchants or customers? Absolutely. Uh, Kahoot is the world's first peer to peer order fulfillment network. Essentially, um, we have a large network of uh, warehouses nationwide. And most of these warehouses belong to other brands and retailers that have excess capacity. These are professional brands that are, uh, that are at the top of their game in terms of fulfillment, and they have excess capacity. Uh, let's say they have 10, 20, 40, 50,000 square feet of excess capacity in their, in their facility. They join Kahoot as a fulfillment partner and, get, and have an opportunity to monetize this excess capacity for the very first time. And Kahoot takes care of all the other um, overhead uh, sales, marketing. They just, so the analogy I would use is like riding for Uber. You know, you, mm. you, you fill out an application, Uber will do due diligence. If you pass those due diligence, you turn on the app and you start riding. You know, you don't have to worry about where the driver is going to come. How are you going to get paid? Are you going to get paid enough? Because that's Kahoot's responsibility. So that's, one side of the Kahoot's network, which is the fulfillment partners. And what is the advantage for our clients, which are the brands and retailers who are looking for fulfillment services? Because of our unique innovation, we're able to drive the cost down. You know, as we just shared that rent is an all-time high, labor is an all-time high. But because of this innovation, Kahoot is unlocking capacity that has previously not been available. And therefore, we are able to drive that cost down, buck that trend, and the net advantage for our clients is lower cost and higher quality because we're not only reducing the cost or, or, or really lowering the cost, but also raising the standard on quality. And we do that because Kahoot is one of the very few fulfillment network that supports Amazon Seller Fulfill Prime, which is hmm. absolutely the gold standard of fulfillment in the U.S., and we are able to do that through our unique technology, unique business model, and combination of people, process, and technology. Yeah, from what I understand, there are only you know, uh, maybe a handful of, uh, of people that are approved to be Merchant Fulfilled Prime. So, I mean, that is, I, I can vouch for that. That is a, kind of the gold standard. You have to be, mm -hmm. you have to know what you're doing to, to have that status. So, um, I think kind of from what you're saying is that it, this is a, a benefit and a win for the brand because you're driving down costs. But then it's also, since it's kind of like the Uber, people are able to unlock extra revenue from their warehouses that they're not using. And then all in all, you have a ton of warehouses across the country. And I'm assuming that will reduce the delivery times the, that we're seeing. So we're able to now compete with the Amazon Prime expectation. Exactly right, Russell, because Kahoot enables you to uh, because we support Amazon Seller Fulfill Prime, um, we can support the same exact delivery expectations on any channel. So whether you're selling on Shopify or BigCommerce or any website, because once the inventory is distributed, we don't differentiate whether the order comes from Amazon or whether it comes from your website. And you're right, we're reducing the transit time, but also reducing the shipping cost because the products are traveling shorter distances. So it's mm -hmm. a benefit and finally, it's a benefit to the environment because of the uh, uh, you know smaller carbon uh, carbon footprint because that's also important to a lot of uh, consumers mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's crazy about this is it's something that I feel like as an operations person you've thought about in the back of your mind. Like when I was running warehouses, I'm like, 
there's got to be a way to deal with this dead space or this flux. And it's like, this seems like an awesome opportunity because it is risky for a brand. If you're doing your own fulfillment, for example, and you're going to sign, sign a three to five year lease, you don't want to have too small of a warehouse because you're like, okay, hey, well, I want to be able to do my own fulfillment, but you don't want to have dead space because now you're paying for dead space. It seems like a happy medium for brands that are trying to either get into their own self-fulfillment to be able to take, mitigate maybe that risk of buying a bigger warehouse. Um, if you know, hey, I, I have other use cases for it. Um, to scale Emerson, it. do you remember, this is a flashback probably three, four years ago. <laughs> we were uh, in the basement office of this dentist office working out the... <laughs> The operations for uh, for Nomadic, and I legit remember you talking about why don't people do like something like you know have a bunch of mm -hmm. warehouses for extra space? Like, Mish, this is what you did. Like, you know mm -hmm. how everybody has that idea. Like, oh man, that would be such a good idea, but there's only one person that actually acts on it. Well, we found that person <laughs> we, that acts on him. that. <laughs> the idea we had ten, four years ago is Mish, and he is he's, he's doing it. He's doing it. No, that's awesome. Um, one one question on this though is. Uh, in my, I've dealt with it myself or I've consulted with brands that have multi-location fulfillment. And the pros of it, like you said, is you're close to the customer. You can get fast delivery times and all that. The hard part about it is managing that inventory and the, in those different locations. You might have an East Coast, West Coast, Central um, fulfillment center that you're working with. But having the inventory in the right place at the right time, you might be forecasting, hey, 60% of our sales are on the East Coast. Let's put 60% of our inventory there. But then there's one widget that's out of stock on the East Coast that you have to ship from the from the central wherever from a different location. And now you're having two packages getting shipped to a customer instead of if you had one central location, you could maybe optimize your inventory uh, a bit better in that case. What do you see, uh, I guess, how do you avoid that? Or what's the best tools or how do you how do you help brands maybe mitigate um, or understand where to have product placement in different warehouses when they're doing multi-channel fulfillment? That's a, that's a really uh, good point, Emerson, and it's a, it's one of the hardest problems in supply chain is how do you balance cost of distribution while maintaining a certain service level? You know, even behind the scenes, uh, even in the Amazon, with Amazon has, I think, 120, 250 warehouses now and fulfillment centers. And uh, uh, even though we don't see it as consumers, but there are times when Amazon will have to, uh, uh, you know, send that product by air just to meet that customer expectation. Mm -hmm. um, however, what I do see the brands and retailers getting too caught up into the, into the weeds because the way we think about the problem is, you know, um, what are your top moving SKUs? You know, because there's a cost of moving inventory. You know, it is, it's mm -hmm. just the physics of moving inventory is expensive as opposed to putting it all in one location. Um, so if you look at your, you know, if 80% of your sales, like 80-20 rule or 90-10, um, then you can you can move that inventory rather than moving everything everywhere. And then there will be, you know, one-off scenarios where uh, you may have to either split the shipment or you may have to expedite the shipment. And I'll take us back the memory lane or, you know, back to the case study of FedEx, uh, which was whenever it was founded, you know, I don't know, you know, 40 years ago when Fred Smith, you know, um, he submitted a paper to Yale that I want to get packages the next day. And this is long before the Internet and long before email, you know, that uh, and his professor gave him a C that saying <laughs> you know, <laughs> that while this is a great idea, it's just not practical. And then the company was struggling even after he launched the company for a very long time. The company was struggling because 
The one big thing that he did not do at the time was provide a guarantee, you know, because their data showed that 98% or 99% of the packages do get there the very next day as promised. But the day FedEx said, if it does not get there, your money back. And that's that level of confidence and putting that certainty in the hands of the consumer, that just completely changed their business and led to this massive growth. So going back to fulfillment is when brands and retailers do not make that bold promise on their site, you know, rather than worrying about that five orders, I'm just making it maybe oversimplification, um, the, the advantage, the upside of making that bold promise like Amazon is far greater than the few orders that you would expedite or the few split shipments that you will have, because that's the way uh, what Amazon has done. And to this day, Amazon has to expedite some packages, but in the larger scheme of things, that's still far more advantageous. Is there a size that you think that uh, a model like this makes sense? Uh, we have our, our listeners vary from small mom pop shops to a bit bigger to multi-million, et cetera, um, brands. Uh, when do you see a merchant going from and say, hey, if you're doing more than 50 orders a day, 100 orders a day, that maybe multi-channel makes sense? Or is like, hey, once you hit like 1,000 plus orders a day, you should be looking at this kind of option of, of multi-location fulfillment. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, the reality is the consumer does not care, you know, how large or small you are. You know, mm -hmm. consumer expectation does not change. And uh, that's the world we live in. Um, and because even if you're a small brand, you could go to FBA and you can avail of distributed fulfillment today. So um, I, I would say size is less important. And I think um, really understanding the impact of this and measuring the impact, because uh, uh, right from the beginning, there are certain product categories that are, of course have higher propensity, uh, unless you have something very unique or custom, then of course you can wait a little bit longer but also there's a concept of uh, what we call date certain shipping, which I've talked about extensively in other places that, uh, you know, whatever your service level is, whatever your promise is, you, you need to make that very clear on the website. Not say if some website that promises five to seven days or three to eight days, uh, it's very hard for the consumer to do the math on the website and the shopping cart. What does it mean? What does three to five days mean? And whenever there's uncertainty, when there's doubt, the consumer will always flock to some place that they know and trust like Amazon. So I would say size is less important. I think the distributed fulfillment is the wave of the future. It is, oh, well, it's almost wave of the present. That I, think, <laughs> I think it's just the, the question becomes making the economics work. And that, mm -hmm. is, that is the bigger question than whether the size of the merchant. So you, you kind of touched on the question that I had of how, how long before it's absolutely necessary for a brand to be offering next day or, or two days shipping. Um, because right now brands can get away with that five to seven days, three to eight days, whatever. How long before that's no longer acceptable in the consumer's mind? I think Amazon Prime, uh, Buy With Prime was launched on, in April. And uh, that's the big event that uh, uh, it, it is still in early beta. It's a buy invitation only program. Um, once that program becomes more widely available, and uh, if your competitor starts taking advantage of that and you don't, and that's the day, you know, you're behind the eight ball. So, yeah. you know, how long will this take? Um, I, you know, if I had a, um, you know, magic, if I had the, uh, if I had the magic ball, I would probably say, you know, 
maybe 12 to 24 months, but I don't think brands should be waiting this long. Gotcha. It's kind of interesting. This was 2000, maybe it was 2019 early. Uh, I think it was like, yeah, right before the pandemic, like January before the pandemic started, uh, I had a call with Amazon and they were basically offering like, hey, you should do this. Like, we're starting our own fulfillment. You can you can do this. And then right when COVID happened, they're like, nope, we retract your offer. Like your pricing is void. You can't use our fulfillment services anymore. And I was like, oh, dang, I thought we were going to be cutting edge on that. And then there was like, nope, COVID took precedence that they were just booming. So they 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 halted that. that I think they had a different name for it like three years ago when they were starting it. And it looks like they're rebranding and, and coming out with it again. So it's a, you can tell it's been on their minds for a while. And it's definitely going to be a, an industry disruptor for doing something like that. But like you said, that this definitely puts it on brands top of mind of, hey, how are we doing this fulfillment? How are we servicing our customers better? How are we guaranteeing that that delivery? With, as a merchant, it's very frightening, honestly, to like from in my past position as director of supply chain, I hated having deadlines because there's so many factors that can go wrong. It's like, freak, the warehouse is behind schedule today. They got to get those orders out. And if someone calls in sick or whatever, and they don't get orders out on time, they miss that cutoff, then that order goes late and then it gets delivered late or for whatever reason, FedEx has a, a backlog in their their fulfillment process or in their their um, distribution process. Then that order gets late, so it's very uh, from operations background. Like, oh, I hate deadlines because someone's gonna botch it somewhere. I feel it's hard to to maintain that 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 certainty of of the process. What is if you're if you're doing that for a brand and you're saying, hey, we are offering two day, three day delivery now? Uh, how can a brand feel confident in that promise. I mean, Amazon is, they're doing it, but also Amazon, they say two day guarantee. In my experience, when that happens, like 80% of the time that happens, the 20% they're, they're delayed or whatever happens. Uh, what's a good way for a brand? Do you think that I actually get comfortable with that or how do they have processes to, you know, support mitigate. that maybe? Yeah, mitigate that maybe. Yeah, that's a great question, Emerson. And you're right, Amazon Prime does not always follow through on its uh, SLA or the promise. You know, uh, we are all Amazon Prime members and I know for a fact that orders don't show up on time. So I know there's a question you're asking, you're gonna ask me later in the, in the show, <laughs> what product will I create? And I have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, maybe if, if, you, if you want me to cover that first, you know, I think, <laughs> I, think I would create a product that uh, claims money back from Amazon for all the missed, uh, uh, Amazon Prime shipments because you pay yeah, 139 <laughs> I can bet you that you can collect more than that so your Prime membership will become free. If, <laughs> you know, um, That's awesome. So, so that is one. But going back to your question of how do you stay on top of this, it is a completely nerve-wracking, you know, fulfillment used to be the stuff that people would do, you know, today's order to roll in, and then, you know, people take two days, this is, I'm, I'm talking 10 years ago, Monday's order will ship out on Wednesday, and then customer will probably get it, you know, a week from now, or 10 days from now, and that was, that was the expectation today, because Kahoot supports seller fulfill prime, where the metrics are absolutely unforgiving. 99.5% mm -hmm. on-time shipment, which means only one out of 200 orders cannot go out the day it's supposed to. 2 p.m. cutoff, six-day fulfillment. So my operations team and my team is you know, on the clock. They're working on Saturdays. So are our fulfillment partners in the warehouses. 
And that's the one thing that a typical traditional 3PL is not set up. And the technology has to be rock solid and resilient because that last unit that you send that order to, let's say, Salt Lake City, Utah warehouse, and turns out that once the, the person who goes to pick it up, maybe the product is not in impeccable condition. And so we don't want to ship out that unit, or maybe that product is just not there, or maybe it's misplaced. These are all real world situations that happen. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to recover from that very quickly because the FedEx truck is waiting. They're not going to wait for you to figure out whether you found <laughs> the new item or not. I mean, and especially on a Saturday. So Kahoot has built this patented software and technology that not just does order routing and rate shopping and the cheapest label generation, but to ensure SLA, to make sure that we are meeting those metrics. Otherwise, our clients can lose their account. They can lose multi-million dollar privilege of selling Sellful Prime, which program is right now not even available. So it's people, process, technology, just uh, fanatic attention to detail and just treating fulfillment with the same level of urgency and with responsiveness as you would treat, you know, whether you were doing stock trading. I know, I know it's a <laughs> distant analogy, but the reality is that's the pressure today for fulfillment companies. And, and that is why we built Kahoot because we want to be on par and in fact exceed Amazon Prime because in fact we have some locations that will start shipping out even on Sundays. So we want to raise the bar so that we are creating an option for merchants that they can utilize on their own site, on other channels, including Amazon. So not, not, not every seller wants to send their products to FBA for several reasons. Like we have clients that sell chocolates. You can't, Amazon does not guarantee a certain temperature so the chocolates can melt, melt in the summer. So there are many, many use cases that are not handled by Amazon. So we, Kahoot is a, is one of the great choices that merchants have to have same level of service. Honestly, you gave me some chills on that when you're talking about uh, fulfillment being like the stock market. I'm like, all right, someone that gets it. That is, that is a really good analogy. <laughs> Honestly, I'm gonna we gotta make a banner of that one or something. Like, yeah, go supply chain. We got <laughs> the crazy SLAs, but timing is everything. That's that's so much value. Um, like that can be gained or lost from your supply chain fulfilling on time, getting shipped on time is a, a perfect analogy. I love that. That was a, a good little tidbit there. Um, so Emerson's a little bit more on the operational side. I'm on the marketing side. So I'm curious, have you seen or have you quantified, do, do, do merchants' conversion rates go up when they give that solid expectation and they deliver on that expectation? 100%, without a doubt. But you've got to do a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Amazon itself claims, you know, in their own marketing collateral for Sellerful Full Prime, uh, that if you turn on Sellerful Full Prime versus not, just standard routine shipping, you can expect a conversion boost of uh, 50%. So wow. that's data coming from Amazon. We have ourselves seen that when you turn on, but the key, you will see a double digit increase in conversion, but you have to promote it. Meaning mm -hmm. you need to do this on the website. You cannot provide that, um, you know, on the website, you're showing two to three day shipping on some product only. There is no clear, um, a loud and bold statement that yes, it's free two-day shipping, what we call date certain shipping, buy by this and this time, it will be delivered by this and this time. So that has to be very clearly stated an entire buyer journey from the you know homepage to the product page, to the shopping cart, to checkout, and then perhaps also in the transactional email, and then you deliver on that promise. 
that first you need to make that promise to get the customer understand that that's what they're going to get. And then on the back end, they need to deliver on that promise. If you fail to market it in that way, you will not see the same level of uh, conversion increase. Amen. I think that's, uh, you, you nailed it on the head because it is a lot about marketing because if, if they don't know what to expect, then then it's it's almost like you're yelling into a, a hollow you know void. Nobody knows about it. So um, I, I just kind of, as we kind of wrap it up here, completely agree with what you're saying is that this is where the market's going. We already see that that merchants expect super fast, very clear delivery times, fulfillment times. And so brands, I mean, that's how you, my last question for you was how do we future proof our brands, our fulfillment process. But we've been talking about that this whole time. Like that's how you future proof is by getting this done. <laughs> and, you know, just shameless plug, Kahoot helps you do that, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm plugging for you, but is that correct? Uh, absolutely. And, and it's not even about Kahoot, uh, Russell, because, uh, you know, all these platform locked fulfillment services, you know, and I put FBA, you know, FBA charges a different fee when you, they fulfill an order on, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's created on Amazon versus if you were to fulfill a multi-channel order, you know, so, uh, FBA, uh, like, likewise, and, uh, deliver was acquired by Shopify, which will also have very similar structure coming up very soon, you know, that you get charged X if you do. So, we believe and we know that Amazon can change your inventory stock limits on a, on a, uh, on a dime. You know, so they don't want your inventory sitting there long because they have Q4 surcharges. They don't do B2B or uh, wholesale fulfillment. You know, many of them Walmart fulfillment services that was just launched. They cannot do international shipping. They cannot do larger, bulkier. Your products have to arrive in a certain way. Otherwise, it's not eligible. Just put yourself in the merchant shoes. And well, you guys are merchants. You have been <laughs> there. You know, that is not what a merchant wants. A merchant mm -hmm. wants a channel agnostic service that is friendly for the merchant, that is thinking of the merchant's best interest, not the platform's best interest. And that is why we created Kahoot. Kahoot is the most merchant-centric fulfillment network available. And we are, of course, from a quality standpoint, and our innovation, we are able to drive the cost down. We don't have Q4 surcharges. We don't charge a different rate to fulfill an Amazon order versus a Shopify order versus a Walmart order. So the, uh, in addition to finding a fulfillment network, you want to find a fulfillment network that is working for you, not for the platform that you sell on. So that is one thing that merchants should be aware of. I think yeah. that's something interesting, Russ, you kind of tapped, uh, tapped on a little bit is we're going to talk about before is, Supply chain is now becoming a marketing tool, which is very interesting. Before it was like, you know, we're, we're supply chain is always a stepchild kind of thing. It's like, hey, guys, just do what you got to do. And now definitely is becoming a marketability thing of saying like, hey, our supply chain is solid, which is a huge ad advantage right now where supply chains are struggling like significantly. I mean, I always joke about it. Like my receding hairline is from the past two years of supply chain, you know? It's, it's just pretty, I'm pretty bald because of it. I mean, come I, on. <laughs> and you're on the marketing team. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so it's like, it definitely is a gnarly business. It's, it's, it's competitive. It's, it's crazy, but it's, people are understanding like how important, how valuable uh, a structured and, and solid supply chain is. So as you can offer that, it definitely becomes yeah, more marketable and, and it's going to give you that upper edge on your competitors. You kind of mentioned and hinted at it before it, about, Hey, we're ready for story time. You, 
if you had to create another product, what would it be? So yeah, we kind of get to this point of the, of the podcast is, I don't know if you had to start a, a different product-based business today, what would it be and, and why? Uh, what's your, you kind of answer a little bit, but I'm excited to see what it is. Well, one of the ones I'm actually quite serious about what I mentioned earlier, that I think <laughs> uh, uh, helping uh, consumers, there are 200 million, 150 million prime subscribers. If you add up 150 million times 139 bucks a year, that's a lot of money. And if you can help consumers recover that, because I think holding people accountable, you know, um, is is important. I mean, there are FBA reimbursement services, so I think why why not for consumers, somebody who's acting hmm. on behalf of the consumer, um, you know, that, that there's a and it 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 helps. You know, it, it helps the brands and uh, the networks uphold their promises. The other one, this is something that I always get around with my family because <laughs> I'm I'm this massive I'm, I'm an innovation geek i'm all about thinking about the future thinking about the things that are not obvious and thinking about things that are hard and when i look at the automation the home automation world and i see dirty dishes in the sink and i'm <laughs> like this thing has never changed in the last million years and yeah. if there is nanotechnology nano robots that you could leave it there rather than having to move them from the from the sink to the dishwasher, which is one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> um, you know, uh, pulled up for that because I. Uh, so I think somebody's going to invent the new dishwasher that is inside the sink, but completely reimagined. And if I had time from my day job. I would probably work on that and create something <laughs> so revolutionary that it would transform the old dishwasher. I think there is an opportunity there. <laughs> You're giving me all sorts of ideas. I think the same thing for dirty clothes. It's like one of those things that just never goes away and it just won't fold itself and it just won't wash itself. So why not a hamper that does the same thing, right? It just spits out your clothes. Maybe it just chooses your outfit for you. I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure my wife will like that aspect of it. She likes to sit there and try three or four outfits on. Maybe, maybe for guys, it'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That's a really okay. Uh, we'll stay tuned and wait for this new dishwasher coming out. I'm excited to see what that, that turns There's into. There's something there. There's something there. Excellent. And then, so for a lot of our audience, they're just getting started out. They're maybe just in the early stages of their business, recently started. Um, what What's the best piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's starting their business right now? I would say, you know, I, I hear a lot of uh, companies and entrepreneurs, uh, you know, and myself included, I, this is an advice uh, based on my own learnings, you know, they, they want to be in stealth mode, you know, they, they, um, um, they, they're spending so much time building and getting everything perfect, and then they launch and nobody shows up, Crickets. you know, um, because they are perfecting everything. I think it's just um, be scrappy go out there, there's no such thing as being stealth, you know? I mean, if th there are more ideas that are left unimplemented on the USPTO website that you can search all day long and these crazy innovative things, it's about doing, not just thinking, you know, bias for action. You know, if you're a retail business, you should be selling, you know, before you have anything figured out, take the pre-order, you know, worst case, you have to reset the customer expectation. You don't want to invest an enormous amount of time and then find out that nobody wants your product or the demand is not there and so on. So, you know, just bias for action, but definitely study the market. You know, don't, don't, you know, it's, it's, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, highly optimistic, you know, believe in everything I do. 
but you know, don't underestimate the competition. You know, don't think you are the first one. There's always people that are smarter, that are more hardworking. They are always so there is there is a lot of competition, and if you can sur- surface that early, you would be better prepared and create distinction and differentiation. You know, unless you have a massive uh, execution chops, you know, innovation and differentiation always wins, and it's hard because. Creating something that is truly differentiated takes a lot of time and effort, but in the end, uh, those are the products that went big. I think it's a weird movement right now. If you're on like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, whatever, it's like grow in stealth and then amaze them. It's like this weird like thing I've seen trending on it. If you're like trying to like pretend like grow in secret, and I'm like, I feel like it's a really weird way of doing. It. Like then you'll never grow. Like people gotta know what you're you're doing, and so I think that's definitely like a very valid is uh, you'll you'll notice like every like most podcasts is podcast or something like that. Someone's like, like that's made it. They're usually like, Hey, build it with someone, like have a TP behind you, collaborate, fail forward. You know, and I think a lot of people for some reason think they can just one day put up a, an e-commerce store and voila, they, they got it without telling anyone. Or it's like, you got to drive the traffic somewhere. You got to tell people what you're doing, take them on that journey. And that's such a big part of business right now is taking people on that journey. If it's you creating something or doing something or building something, whatever it is, like bring your audience on that that journey. I think it's, it's it's a really weird thing that people are trying to do is grow stealthily. I don't I don't get it. So, um, <laughs> but that's awesome. <clears throat> um, then yeah, to kind of wrap up, uh, our final question we ask is, uh, what can our audience do for you? Or is, is there anything that, that you and your team are, are looking for as far as like referrals? Are you hiring? What connections? What's something that our audience can can do for you and your in your business? Three things. You know, one, anybody who's looking for best-in-class fulfillment services, affordable, please hop on to kahoot.ai and, you know, check us out. Fill out a form. We'll be happy to talk to you. No obligation. Number two, if you are running a best-in-class warehouse, size is not important as long as your metrics are awesome and you're looking to monetize excess capacity. Again, visit kahoot.ai and contact us. We can put some extra cash in your pocket, and um, so that those are those are two. And number three, you know, we're certainly looking for um, marketers who have the supply chain fulfillment experience that can help spread this word to people like you, so that I can be speaking to more people rather than being in <laughs> stealth. <laughs> so there we go. There so, so yeah, this is an invitation to any rock star marketers uh, with retail, e-commerce, DTC fulfillment background. We would love to work with them. Excellent. Well, Manish, you've got some serious passion that we can like, we can feel it. We get excited about those things and we're just nerding out over here. Right. <laughs> and to be honest, I've loved talking with you. I think you, you have a certain energy that, that makes it fun to talk about. Maybe the, like Emerson says, the unsexy part of, of e-commerce business, but thanks You're for helping us. us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, where can our audience find you if they want to, you know, connect with you, learn more. I'm, assuming Kahoot.ai, but is there anywhere else? Yes, absolutely. First of all, I'm really honored to be a part of this and you guys are doing an amazing job. And so I appreciate people who are listening to this and you guys, mm-hmm. which, uh, um, and people can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just Google my name. Uh, yeah, it's a common name, but just make sure you find the Kahoot guy. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, Kahoot.ai, if you, you know, and if you send me, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a message, I will personally reply. I promise you that. And, and ultimately, Kahoot's vision is to become the fabric of connection 
you know, peer-to-peer collaboration. So our, our vision goes much larger than simply fulfillment. We are creating a peer-to-peer collaboration platform for retailers and brands. And, uh, that's, and that's reflected in our logo and in our slogan and our tagline called Power of Many. So our purpose is much greater than profit. So I want uh, all our audience and listeners to know that. And once again, thanks for having me. Amazing. Thank you, Manish. We'll uh, hopefully uh, talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and visit us at sharehouse.com to join the community today.